Thank you everyone for listening this podcast myself Vishnu Viji I am a dotnet developer working uh, with C# and cloud technologies I am from Tiruvannadapuram Kerala state which is on the southernmost part of India I have experience working with different cloud providers like Microsoft Azure Amazon web services in addition to that I am a community builder for AWS storage as well I have a podcast as well as a YouTube channel where I host episodes that are related to programming and cloud concepts. In addition to that, a meetup group is also there. That is Cloud Computing, uh, Coding Talks hyphen Cloud Computing, which is available on meetup. In case you are interested, please do check out all those. This podcast is available on all leading podcast platform. Today uh, we are going to discuss about the microservices architecture with examples from the leading um, cloud provider AWS or Amazon web services. The concepts that you are learning through this podcast equally applies to all other cloud providers as well. As of now recording date of 24th June 2022 the major three vendors in cloud are first one is the Amazon web services second one is Microsoft Azure and third one is GCP and when organizations develop application with uh, having a lot of teams uh, each specializing in their own language and capabilities the microservice architecture is getting very popular because nowadays through the cloud services like aws different services are provided by them so organization can demand some of the services whenever they require in required for their application development they can use the service pay for the service or the time which they are using the service and then they can entirely shut down that service so this way on demand cloud computing has triggered the microservices uh, mode of development in a rapid way even though microservices architecture was there in the earlier times as well it was not that much popular as of these days because of the uh, uh, the main reason for that is the cloud computing so the cloud is one of the uh, trending topics out these days and every developer or every aspiring developer uh, needs to be aware of these cloud concepts along with their application developments that is very critical for better developing their application if you are dealing with some kind of trivial application for some client maybe uh, you don't need to invest in cloud you can you can create a server in your own infrastructure uh, some organizations are still doing that if the application they are developing has not any scope for that kind of scalable or that kind of development so for trivial application it is fine but uh, when it comes to the organization level or the mnc's where lot of companies starts using the um, a lot of companies began developing applications for massive clients 
of course they expect huge level of scalability so they consider all these things from the initial stage so instead of developing a monolithic application that is the trend that was there in the older times of software development so mono in the monolithic concept of development a single code base is there and that single code base is developed and deployed entirely so that is called monolithic a single code base to understand that it is very easy but when it comes to uh, uh, making change or whenever the client requires some change in that application it will be very hard to deal with such changes because you need to change the entire application at all and you need to deploy that also at all at once so that prevents the scalability and also uh, when when it comes to the monolithic uh, you can consider an application having distinct parts where some distinct parts needs to have more computing power or more processing power and sometimes a specific part of application like a payment part or the um, display part of the application needs more processing power or more uh, scalability so in with more with my this monolithic mode of development it would not be possible because you can only scale the application all at once or you can scale down the application all at once you can't have a granular level of control in increasing the scalability on each particular part of application so that way a different uh, architectures uh, because of that limitations of monolithic application different other application models have evolved uh, some of them are already discussed in the earlier episodes where you understood about the um, that uh, three tier pattern and all so this is microservices a bit more than that and this is one of the trending topics out there in the in these days as of this recording so understanding about microservices and uh, the way uh, how we can uh, convert an monolithic application to microservices is also very uh, important for an application development all those concepts we will try to learn through this episode so feel free to listen this episode uh, before uh, starting the episode i will like to thank uh, uh, teddy ariono who is working with aws uh, i attended one of his sessions and learned a lot related to this microservices and all some of them are sharing in this uh, po- uh, this podcast also i would recommend you to uh, i would suggest you to read one interesting book called monolith to microservices by sam newman which is available on orally publications so uh, these are uh, that book is very interesting and it provides a great detail on understanding these microservices concept in more detail the this episode uh, will give you enough information to understand about what is microservices many of you already familiar what is microservices as i already covered some of that part in the initial part of this episode so instead of a monolithic form of application development we create in microservices we create independently deployable services that work together and model their own business domain so these are the more three important part to understand so one is we develop and de- 
develop independently deployable services so instead of monolith we develop uh, uh, different different services that work together means they communicate together via a network so um, to understand it very easily uh, maybe you have listened uh, my earlier episode already maybe you are familiar with what a microservices but for those who are initially listening this podcast for them i will uh, just give a quick brief of what it is so imagine if you have a website application you you have three part the front end back end and the database and you can split these into different different services so that's one example it need not to be exactly like that because for a simple web application that uh, kind of splitting would be an overkill but if it is a complex application like a shopping cart application you can have a um, service for displaying the uh, uh, service for fetching and displaying the uh, different uh, products to the users and you can have a, a different service that handles payment and all that is that payment service you can have another one service which uh, deals with the shipping of the services called the Uh, warehouse service and all so this way different services can be created but the uh, important thing as we understood from the definition is they work together these services work together and they are worked around a business domain so that means uh, the uh, you can uh, think of amazon shopping website as such example it's it's actually Uh, it can be a microservices uh, we don't know the exact internal details of how it is made but we can assume that uh, it would be a kind of a microservice based pa- pattern it's developed where one service will handle the uh, the front end part and another service will handle the rest of the functionality like the payment processing of uh, ordered products then the maybe other service for handling the return and all so this way different services work together and each service has no relation with other services other than the communication that is happening through the network just a, just a minute even though they we will be developing independently deployment services that work together that can be scaled work together that can be scaled independently each uh, maybe if there are three services one service can be scaled up and down and it can be changed as a, a developer can change that as well and can be deployed that as well without affecting any of the other services that means if something um, problem happens to a shopping website where a payment Uh, system needs to do uh, needs to be modified developer can work on that and that payment service can be deployed independently so that uh, helps the developers as well as the deployment process as well because they don't need to bother about the other parts of the application whether that uh, they don't need to confirm the other parts it is working properly and all a higher level integration test would be there but still the level of test that needs to happen and the level of deployment process needs to happen will be much simpler and in case if uh, the some part of the application needs to be modified that also can be done very easily 
using uh, the uh, uh, by taking advantage of, of the microservice form of uh, development so many of the organizations are choosing this form of development uh, for their application especially if the application have a scope for um, massive scalability many of the clients also prefer that then some of the other uh, side advantages that gets from the microservice architecture is um, by developing this kind of architecture uh, different teams can work independently on their own services so maybe uh, a, a team who is specialized in javascript and react applications can focus on the front end part of application they can work Uh, their best to make the front end look attractive and user friendly for the user uh, and similar way some other teams uh, who are capable for server side development can work on that part as well and maybe some other team who is uh, expert in developing web apis for mobile or the uh, website they can focus on that api development so these each can be different different services and different specialized teams can work on their own product without depending on any of the other teams so these are some of the advantages that they would get and also there not need to be choose any specific language for the entire application development if a team is capable of developing a front end using react they can do their that part and if some api team who is working on the back end or api prefer python f- for that api development they can choose python for that these are some of the advantages that a uh, microservices provide over the monolithic form of development in addition to that the most important thing is scalability where each service can be scaled independently and each service can be treated for deployment independently thus avoid complex overloads and uh, testing difficulties now um, to uh, i hope you understand some of the points where we understood that there will be different services they will be communicate via e- other service so this communication via network is important this communication can be happen through most in most of the cases it can be happen through the rust api in the previous episode where i explaining where i was explaining about the uh, microservices architecture i explained that most of the services will be uh, contacting each other through the rust api uh, so i would like to uh, clear that uh, some may have a doubt whether only rust api is the only standard that is used for communicating with services uh, not like that uh, it depends upon the uh, teams or the architect who decides how the microservice should uh, interact with each other they can choose either a other set of standard like grpc or graph sql or web socket or in some f- form as uh, a kind of asynchronous standard is also used where they choose a broker or a message queue to communicate with other service this is important because 
imagine if two services in microservice want to communicate each other and uh, like we discussed earlier microservices provide the capability to scale and deploy independently so sometimes one service may be down and at that time if the other service want to contact with this particular service it may not be possible so synchronous communication is not a good practice in microservices it can it can be there uh, but you have to as a developer you have to understand the entire context where if there is a possibility for one service to go down for maintenance or for some other purpose then an asynchronous form of communication via a, a message broker or the message queue and the amazon services provide Uh, different services for that purpose like the sqs sns etc where you can leverage those services for uh, communicating with uh, communicating different services asynchronously so instead of one service contacts other service directly they contact via a queue where they uh, when some some something they needs to communicate with other they insert that into the queue and whoever who is Uh, subscribed who whatever other service which is subscribed to this particular queue will get be get notification and they can work based on that message this way asynchronous communication is also possible but the most easiest form of the uh, communication that can happen between the services is through the rest api and that would be a kind of a synchronous form of communication where there's no intermediary like message queue or anything happen but you need to think about the possibility we we will we will come to that topic a bit later where when we think about some of the common pitfalls or some common misunderstandings that can happen when uh, uh, developers develop application using microservices uh, we will list out all those and we can understand uh, a bit about those misunderstandings that can usually happen and when discussing that point we can think about this uh, this um, asynchronous communication and all those things then another important uh, thing is uh, an ideal microservice should have independent database because that's the way by which the principle of information hiding based on the uh, concept of domain driven development is implemented Uh, so a properly architected microservice would ideally have a single database for each service and there would be arguments that a microservice can have mul- uh, a shared database but that limits the scope of scalability and uh, the more you bind a shared database with multiple services in microservice it defeat the purpose of microservice and it would behave like a kind of a distributed monolith so as far as possible uh, reduce the level of coupling uh, between different services so the terms uh, coupling and cohesion is very important to understand with related to microservice uh, we have understand uh, the uh, the um, um concept of microservices but 
the concept of coupling and cohesion also needs to be understand very uh, clearly from the start of application development or even when before deciding how the microservice application should be uh, usually the architects who develop a microservice architecture will prefer a stable microservice architecture where the coupling will be low so low coupling and high cohesion coupling means how changing or uh, modifying on service on my model modular service in microservice affects or requires a change in another so imagine if there are three microservices and if you want to change on microservice uh, will it requires a change in other service as well if the change is high that means there is a high level of coupling or dependency between these two so that indicates a problem with the architecture so the better an architect can design an effective microservice architecture the coupling will be very low then the cohesion is another important thing so coupling and cohesion these two go related so the higher the coupling the lower the cohesion and lower the coupling that is what we prefer when the coupling is lower the cohesion is higher so the term cohesion means how how we group related code so the role of architect is to decide and understand how their application they want to be so they group all the related codes and they identify the service boundaries so that concept is what we discussed earlier so when whenever they architect an application for microservices they should identify all the related uh, group of code and they group it together to make it as a service with the example we discussed before when it comes to the amazon web service the payment part is where all the payment related code uh, is cohesed and we can call that part is co- uh, includes that cohesion and that can be considered as a service called the uh, payment service similar way the return or refund of items from amazon that can be processed by other service and all Uh, code that is related to that particular part can be grouped together so in this way we should identify the entire application related code and group it together so that ideally uh, when it comes to a proper microservice ar- architecture the cohesion will be very high that is the grouping related code will be very high and the coupling that is uh, dependency of one service with related to other service will be very low that means uh, once that effective architecture is in place changing on particular service will require minimal change or no change in the other service and that should be your ideal when designing a microservice architecture it's not easy but that is the required uh, um, that is the required architecture that every client or organization expect from a software architect so in short we can say a structure or microservice architecture is stable if the cohesion is high and the coupling is low 
then the other things we were discussing about uh, some of the general uh, features of the microservice based architecture um, so individual database is a must and uh, that uh, that splitting of uh, mono, uh, services to different modular service that should be modeled around a business domain so these are um, based on the level of code that can be grouped together and by applying the principle of information hiding and identifying the boundaries and based on the domain driven design principles so each domain can be identified and services can be grouped so ideally the uh, service should be grouped based on the business domain and not based on the skill set that developers have earlier we understood one of the benefits or the side benefits of the microservice architecture is that the individual teams who is specializing on one particular uh, language or technology can develop their part when developing a microservice architecture but that uh, that is a side advantage or one of the other advantage that an organization gets by adopting a microservice architecture but that should not be the main factor in deciding or splitting these different services an architect should split based on the other factors like the business domain uh, considerations and also based on the principles of domain driven design and not based on the skills that individual developers have and this means that um they should uh, divide the uh, services initially without considering all of the uh, different language capabilities that their teams have they can later choose a specific language for doing a particular modular service that can be decided later but initially the uh, grouping code or the splitting of code in the um, microservice architecture should be guided by the Uh, business domain uh, and domain based on the domain driven principle another some of the features as well as some of the considerations that you should be aware of as an architect or a developer when developing microservices architecture is its independent deployability you should uh, develop an application uh, and split the uh, application to different services based on the ddd principles or the business domain uh, kind of code, uh, uh, code grouping but also needs to understand that once we develop these services we should be able to change a service and we can deploy this change independently it should be loosely coupled that Uh, there the, it should not be like if i want to deploy one service i should deploy other services as well so that indicates a dependency between services so that's not an ideal microservice architecture in an ideal architecture you as a developer or the ops can simply select a service modify it and deploy it independently and it will work and also sometimes as we understood sometimes on service may go down so a synchronous form of communication between the services may not be ideal 
so if you expect some services require frequent maintenance or frequent changes it should be developed in such a way by using an intermediate queue or some other form of asynchronous communication so that they can communicate with each other then there should be um, a contract um, needs to be established properly to communicate with the different services as you aware from the previous talks and also in the beginning of this episode i mentioned some like uh, the services needs to uh, communicate with each other through the networks that can be via rest api that can be via grpc or it can be via graphql whatever whatever kind of uh, uh, methods can be adopted or standards can be adopted but and there should be a uh, well defined and st- stable contract that needs to be exist between the services because uh, each services will be developing by individual teams so they should have a clear understanding that they will be contacting some services for some other services for some data it can be a, a direct communication to some other service or it can be through a message queue through an asynchronous fashion as well but that contract or that stable definition of ap and its contract should be there there should not be there uh, sh- shouldn't be any confusion with that otherwise if one team who is working on one service changes its ap it affects all the other team as well because they are working independently so a proper Uh, well defined stable contracts uh, contracts with uh, a well divided api and uh, if there is no backward compatibility that you are planning for your api or your service uh, make sure all the other teams who are working on the like different other services should be aware of it otherwise there will be sudden surprise for the other uh, teams when whenever you, uh, you you or your team makes a change in one service it will affect the other so proper contract should be there second thing is you should avoid at all cost the database sharing database sharing is an anti pattern in microservices the one of the common reasons that many developers or many people would argue is that they can Uh, include the business logic in database and that which can be in the form of either a stored procedure or function and they can share with other services this practice is uh, terribly wrong uh, it defeats the purpose of scalability especially if you use a system like rds rds is relational database service um, in Amazon web services if you look into the portal uh, they have categorized their services into different categories so those of you who want a database like a sql server or mysql or the um, oracle can go to the, the the rds section and they can select the a particular uh, database they like for their application development they can choose either sql or oracle or whatever 
and many of the application developers who develop application using the rd bms relational database management system or the database that we use for storing transactional data in application they usually go with a pattern like creating a lot of stored procedure where they include the business logic inside stored procedure that practice is really bad and it is one of the challenge happens when migrating an existing monolithic applications to microservice so when migration happens the developer needs to sp- uh, extract all the logic that is hidden inside the database stored procedures and share and um, develop it as modular service to avoid that kind of problem if you are developing a new application don't store anything any business logic inside stored procedure or function or anything at the database side database side keep it simple its purpose is just to store data get data as fast as possible and not for storing business logic business logic it should reside with the modular services it can be inside any of the uh, different modular services that we splitted so again uh, understand uh, again it will be better to not store any business logic inside database and if it is a rdbms it's it would be a great problem because uh, when it comes to the microservice architecture ideally you should have a different separate database for each service otherwise it would not be an ideal um, microservice architecture and uh, there are some cases where you can have a common database but it's not recommended just for your understanding if you feel that you can use a database and share it among different services make sure it should be a scalable database like amazon dynamo db it's not an rdbms it's a no sql database Uh, where it is used for storing the user sessions and all in um, better and it can handle those users uh, state and sessions better than a relational database and it's it's also scalable as well if you are using such a kind of database which is scalable it's fine but rd bms it's it's an old kind of uh, technology Uh, it provides limited scaling only it, it can provide vertical scaling as well as uh, scaling in some way through pooling and all but not to a level that is uh, equivalent to the level of services in microservices where each service can be independently massively scaled so database each database at separate database should be there many uh, Uh, application developers prefer to use the rdbms like a sql server or the oracle or mysql as the default standard but ideally uh, the trend should be like uh, rdbms can be used but it can be used for storing the transactional data and don't use it for sharing between different services and second thing is like for storing other user related sessions and all try to use something like no sql database
i think we have covered some of the um required very important things that are related to microservices by understanding these things you can develop a microservice architecture in that way because if you are new to microservice architecture and someone in the team is telling that next project we are going to work is developing based on microservice architecture naturally you would fall into a confusion how it is looks like what is microservice so microservice simple you will be uh, you can understand some of the concept i mentioned earlier revisit or listen uh, the first part of this episode again and again and can understand how some of the characteristics of microservice in addition to that you can also go through the book Uh, monoliths to microservices and that will also help you to understand some of the uh, features or definitions uh, or distinct features or how of how a microservice architecture should look like and then uh, you can uh, you can uh, develop application or if you have you have if you are working in existing microservice architecture by understanding these concepts you can uh, you can better uh, work on that application you can uh, very effectively work on that application and even can fix some of the existing issues that uh, may have happened as a result of bad coding practices now the next uh, important thing or uh, i will define the eight misunderstandings that can happen when developing the microservice problem this is not particular to microservice this is a problem when usually happens when an application development uh, becomes a kind of a distributed uh, mode of computing a distributed uh, computing is where instead of a single monolith application you split your code into multiple modules and split it across its it's not exactly microservices but a similar form of distributed computing where one one part of the application process is happening on one server and another on another server and all so whenever that kind of architecture is in place there can happen a set of misunderstandings and based on that misunderstandings developers proceed with coding and after some time they realize that their application may not work effectively because of this understanding these misunderstandings or the fallacies of distributed computing is a good read so you can search in google about the uh, fallacies of distributed computing where you will get an idea now i will explain uh, one by one uh, or the more important points related to that misunderstandings and Uh, how we can also understand how we can tackle those things when it comes to microservice architecture development so we have uh, splitted our application we have selected a, a proper technology we can we have understood that okay this should be communicated with other with the proper contract and all and whatever ways we have understood so far we have developed our application but uh, the let's take the first misunderstanding and they are mentioning that the network is reliable so we have our internet we have the um, unlimited internet with high speed internet available at our home and we have that firm conviction in our mind that uh, the internet is stable 
even though occasionally internet goes down still during the application development we may not think about all those thing but our application may be used by the or uh, clients will use that from unreliable connection unreliable networks and all because of this the assumption that the network will be reliable or network is reliable is a kind of a misunderstanding and related to network uh, there are some other things like latency bandwidth capability um, uh, bandwidth uh, un- uh, will be limited then the uh, so we can take the first three things so the first one is the network is reliable that is on un- misunderstanding we usually how when developing application second one is latency is zero like uh, we expect that Uh, the those who are using this uh, application will have a high speed uh, unlimited internet where latency is zero usually uh, this may not be true because at some time or some point of time these issues can arise even in high speed areas where some time some problem happens and the network goes down or its speed goes down usually during that time if someone is using your application and if you not consider all these facts in mind it will be a problem and they will blame your application to avoid this kind of problem uh, ret- uh, different patterns can be used like the retry pattern or the circuit breaker pattern Uh, i will cover a different episode for explaining all those thing in short retry pattern is simple to understand like if your service is contacting some other service and if it, there is no return coming from that service it should retry one or two times we we cannot expect that retry to happen indefinitely because if imagine if that service is down and if you are not relying on any form of asynchronous communication pattern like a queue or broker then indefinitely the service will try to get something from the other service and uh, it it goes like an infinite loop to avoid that retry should be there with a circuit breaker pattern like after some point of time it should it should fail and it should try only after some time so that kind of mechanism should be there second thing is uh, we assume that users have bandwidth indefinite or um, uh, um, th- their network structure is this way or that way and we don't think about uh, compressing uh, before uploading to s3 or something other uh, some other storage services uh all those factors uh, we should be aware of so before we uh, uploading some file or using some file from some other service we should think about how much impact that file transfer is going to make will it work properly in load transfer system will there be proper uh, streamed based streaming based download is there or an asynchronous download pattern is there or something like that so whenever a whenever a 
communication is happening other than the uh, normal kind of json or grpc level of communication is happening we should be aware of all this like how much bandwidth that is going to consume how much time it will take on service to download on particular file from other service and all so or, or from a different storage area in addition to that we can also consider like if we upload a file simply a file to the storage area like s3 amazon s3 usually s3 have an unlimited bandwidth but what about if the budget is limit and the storage cost goes high that will be a problem as an application developer we should aware of all those things so the understanding about the eight fallacies of distributed computing and if you relate that with the microservice architecture it will be a good thing by which you can eliminate some of the uh, mistakes that can happen for a microservice architecture so consider that when developing the application then the second thing is whenever uh, then the other thing and uh, so the the that um, uh, misunderstanding part is now over next we will think about how we can organize the teams in an organization that part is also very important to consider suppose if you have a team that is developing if you if your organization has a set of teams that are working on different services uh, with related to microservices architecture they should communicate with each other and they should also have communication with the actual customers as well in the usual um um in an usual typical it organization we can see a kind of silo um based structure where technical leadership ha- will be handling by on particular team so there will be a technical leadership team like the cto or cio who uh, who is contacting the management or the project management uh, people and that project management people is responsible to deal with the uh, development team or delivery team and they will develop and deliver the application so that technical leadership part is on part of the organization they remain as an independent silo and similar way there will be other Uh, section of the organization where a product owner team is actually dealing with the customers they work as an other silo so this technical leadership and product owner will communicate each other but um, at times only like if there is some change happens uh, change required from the, from client requirement or something usually customers contact the product owner and they will Uh, contact the technical leadership and then the technical leadership will delegate that to the management and then to management means the project management and then to the different development and delivery teams so there is a um, so here the customers are directly contacting the product owners and product owners is actually understanding what the uh, client needs and then they will communicate that to the technical leadership there is a major challenge with this kind of uh, um, the structure because sometimes the product owners may not be competent enough to understand all the technical challenges and all and how much time it will be required for one service to deliver and all so they rather they what they feel is they will um, understand something based on their own understanding 
they may not have that kind of technical ability like the other technical teams have so they will uh, come to a conclusion they they can have a discussion with technical leadership as well but in most of the case they will came to a conclusion based on their understanding and they may not able to correctly understand the requirement properly which can in which can de- be detrimental to microservice form of development this and this uh, this uh, this can be a problem not only for microservice form of development microservice architecture form of development but also can be for other kind of um, can be for other kind of um, application development models as well but in this uh, microservice uh, architecture where different teams are working in different services this will be a major problem so we should break that silo model and we should instead of that we should uh, split like uh, the customer should be able to directly contact the delivery team or the development team uh, maybe some person who is responsible for that uh, interaction can be arranged and the in uh, Uh, it should be the customer should be able to directly communicate with the delivery team as well as to product owner and then they can have a supporting technical leadership team as well so this way uh, the communication is happening f- from the customer directly to the delivery team or the technical leadership and not via the product owner so this can be helpful Uh, so this can be this is called as a technology company a structure um, where some of the organizations are following this kind of thing uh, so it breaks the kind of silo model where the product owner is the only person who is interacting with the client and capturing requirements and then uh, um, conveying that to the delivery or development or technical leadership teams so instead of that Uh, here the customers are directly contacting the delivery team as well as the product owner team and they can have a supporting leadership team as well now we have understood the concept of microservices but uh, splitting a application into too many services may not be an effective strategy for some of the Uh, organization so uh, monolith has some advantages where it can group some of the codes there um, and microservice has its own advantages so some of the organization one example is shopify s h o p i f i if you search in google shopify space uh deconstructing monolith designing software maximizes deliver uh, de- developer productivity or you can search like this shopify s h o p i f i space modular monolith then you would get a blog uh, blog where they mention how they use the approach similar to microservices but it's called modular monolith instead of microservice so uh, in the episode we are discussing about microservice 
but uh, mentioning this part is also important where uh, if you um, uh, there is a uh, way by which we can develop a kind of a, a different kind of microservice architecture called the modular monolith uh, which can uh, which can uh, which can uh, maximize productivity according to shopify so if you go through that blog you can understand some of the uh, advantages they would get and they are mentioning they they would get the benefits from both the microservices as well as from the modular world so if you search for that you will get an understand shopify modular monolith so they have written a blog where how it is used but uh, our uh, discussion is uh, the modular uh, services or microservices uh, just i mentioned this point here because uh, uh, when when i attended that session uh, they, he mentioned this point so i would like to convey this with you so you can have an understanding of that and also another important point uh, it's uh, worth to consider is uh, always possible avoid the distributed uh, monolith so distributed monolith means it looks like uh, my, uh, having a application with multiple services but uh, there is a tight dependency between each uh, services so that whenever the services are to be deployed it should be deployed together such a system is called the distributed monolith and we should avoid uh, this because um, that system is developed with not focus on that information hiding and uh, there is no proper boundary that is established between services uh, by grouping related code and all and because of that that application became a distributed monolith instead of the modular monolith that which we discussed earlier and we should avoid the distributed monolith at all cost because it will create a lot of problems at the later stage of uh, application development then uh, another common problem that uh, many developers here or when migrating existing applications to the uh, microservice architecture is how we deal with some of the third party black box systems so th- third party black box systems includes some of the existing payroll systems then crm systems then uh, some organization have an existing hr systems then like this uh, magento wordpress and the sap etc so when how we integrate all those things into our existing uh, microservices or the planned microservice architecture um it can be some form of uh, not just this blackboard system it can be some other system like the uh, saas software as a service model like the gmail or the Uh, office 365 or some, whatever some kind of um, uh, systems um, ex- existing systems may be used by the organization and how can we capture the information from all those because those all things are not in our control so how we deal with those things so uh, one um, answer to that thing 
when it comes to microservice migration for those systems is uh, if there is a possibility for us to identify the apis underlying apis that are related to that those black box systems then we can identify that and deconstruct or decompose into a different service and all but sometimes it is not possible like it may be a third party black box system in that case a, a, adopting a pattern like backend for the front end can be adopted it's very easy to understand backend for the front end or bff if you search for bff you would get the answer so backend for the front end is a pattern where we aggregate all the different backend related services uh, it can be ap or it can be an output from these different systems so somehow we should capture all those and we should aggregate that and we should return that to uh, whatever other services maybe it can be a web or mobile so that is the reason why backend to frontend so it means that that pattern will have if you uh, imagine that uh, particular pattern its left side will be the web and the mobile and it will be uh, on the middle side we can see the aggregation and on the right side we can see the those different third party black box systems or whatever other uh, forms of uh, get apis or all those things that we can consider this is also this bff pattern can also be used when we develop and uh, the dashboards sometimes we want to aggregate the information from multiple systems especially in this case case of microservices where we need to track what is happening in these different system so there should be a capturing of information from these these three uh, these different uh, services that are running behind the scene and we should capture all the information from there so this bff or back end to front end framework can be used there and then we can aggregate all those things and then can be convey that thing to whatever uh, client or front end it is required so it's it's looks like an aggregation sometimes we can directly collect the data and can be passed to the uh, front end but sometimes the collecting the data from the front end uh, or uh, sorry collecting the data from the different back end systems may required Uh, some time uh, um so it's not possible to uh, uh collect that in a real time so we need to resort to either some real time systems or some form of way by which we collect the data we store there somewhere ideally uh, possibly maybe in a different database and then we can uh, return that to the whatever client that is required this is useful for displaying dashboards and all backend to the front end is the uh, thing which uh, we uh, we should um, consider when we want to aggregate the information from different multiple systems uh, that needs to shows to the front end or uh, that needs to be communicated to the uh, different other services this can be also used this bff can be also used when we deal with the Uh, black box systems like the wordpress or some kind of software as a service system where we want to capture the data and we want to present that data to some other service okay 
So that's all about the back end to the front end. I hope you understand how to deal with the black box systems and also how to aggregate the data from different services when there is a requirement to show that on the dashboard. The dashboard is a mandatory thing that I felt for different uh, microservices because uh, together as an application we need to understand whatever is happening in different systems. a proper uh, capture of information from these different microservices and to be presented that to the uh, user in form of dashboard or whoever person who is responsible for using the application uh, will be an ideal thing to include it may not be a mandatory thing but uh, sometimes it will be useful now coming to the other challenge that faced with the microservices architecture development is the concept of coupling in the beginning of session we understood like uh, there uh, the coupling should be low and the cohesion should be high mm, cohesion means the grouping of code and the coupling means the uh, the uh, dependency of one service with the other service Uh, so it can be other forms of coupling as well and some of the other forms of coupling uh, which also we need to avoid when developing microservice architecture uh, one such coupling is the implementation coupling it can be understood like in the case of a shopping website where we usually see recommendations on amazon we can assume that there will be a recommendation service that is responsible for understanding the recommendations so one common pitfall or misunderstanding that can happen for a recommendation service development team or whoever who is specializing in that particular microservices they will be directly contacting the database and uh, they will be capturing the order as well as the customer information and then they create a recommendation so instead of that the better way is to create a separate api which uh, capture the data from that order uh, a part only so whenever an order is happen that will be captured somewhere and from that order api Uh, some uh, order api or wherever that order is stored it can be in a uh, relational database or it can be in some other uh, database like a nosql it depends upon the implementation and the recommendation engine or the recommendation service should contact that uh, order area via an api called the order api and through that way only they should fetch the order information so this means uh, there is no tight coupling between the recommendation system and the uh, database or the order system so in in between there is an api there this way implementation coupling can be avoided implementation coupling is one of the uh, problem or anti pattern that can happen then the other problem is uh, temporal coupling that can happen so this happens when imagine three of the different services in 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 a shopping is working in a shopping site is working uh, for example there may be a warehouse service 
uh, which is uh, we should be responsible for understanding what or items are there in the warehouse and there can be another uh, service called the order service which gets the order from that warehouse service and there can be another service uh, called the customer which get um, or uh, there can be another customer which uh, gets the uh, order related information after uh, the order is processed so different services like the warehouse order or the customer related services uh, will uh, can be there for a shopping based application this is just an example uh, assumption is what we are discussing now imagine if there are three services like warehouse order and customer and each on have an sla of uh, 0.99 but um, because uh, of the delay that can happen between these two uh, these three different services the sla can be uh, 0.97 only because uh, one service is calling the other service synchronously so there can be a possibility like sometimes a failure can happen so we can't expect the 0.99 Uh, level of SLA, even though the warehouse, uh, warehouse and the order service have that kind of cap, uh, that kind of um, uh, SLA. So even even if the three different services that are involved in processing an entire order, including the warehouse order service as well as the customer service uh, aggregate of all, uh, even if they have point nine nine SLA, that's a good SLA, but still we can't. Uh, provide that to the final product because that at point at some point of time maybe either one of these service can fail and the total uh, sla can be 0.97 only this would not meet the complaints requirement of the organization to prevent that introducing a message broker or message queue or kind of an asynchronous pattern in between uh, these different uh, services will be ideal so that the uh, even if one service fails still when it gets active we can uh, ha- we can uh, confirm that we can still establish the 0.99 sla there when it comes to the compliance requirement and to establish the compliance requirement and uh, to maintain it properly keeping that uh, in this example it's 9.99 we can we can have an pattern called the asynchronous communication pattern through the message broker or message queue that can be introduced in between these services uh, rather than directly they directly interact with each other other form of coupling that we can consider to avoid is the deployment coupling where whenever one service is deploying it needs to deploy depend on other services and their deployment as well this usually happens when when a service is needs to build it should get a dll from some other services so we should break all those anti patterns and we should uh, try as far as possible try to develop the microservice in such a way that it should not depend on other services dll or other dependencies or anything whenever a service needs to be deployed uh, it 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 should be uh, developed and uh, configured in such a way that it should be able to deploy independently without depending on any of the other s- services then finally 
the thing is domain coupling so this is like uh, domain coupling uh, how we can understand is to understand by taking an example of a shopping website where imagine there are three different services and a single database is there ideally there should not be a single database um, but um, um, it should be have its own distinct database so but for understanding this example let's keep it simple like imagine there is an order processing service then there is a warehouse service and then there is a customer service um so the warehouse service which is responsible for uh, delivering the uh, different uh, identifying and um, returning that information to the customer service uh, should co uh, somehow contact the order processing to get the customer details and all so instead of getting full list of customer details they should get only the required details so uh, there there can be uh, there can be a separate uh, data part that can be created called the pick instruction where the uh, whenever a customer is ordered an information uh, order a product then that customer details and that customer's delivery address and all that all can be combined and can be saved into a different area so that this warehouse or the other responsible service who is responsible for delivering this uh this particular order can contact that part that data part and get the detail and then can be delivered accordingly rather than uh, it directly contacts the uh, order processing information so the domain in microservices we split the uh, services based on domain and it should not have a direct dependency between each other so instead of Uh, when an order processing has happened or uh, it's it's in progress then it should create a separate area where uh, it will mark all the uh, required customer and their delivery information or the uh, other information that is required for delivery and though that information can be uh, consumed by other services for their purpose instead of directly uh directly the uh, instead of directly having contact with each service so um, once uh, once a service the idea symbol once a service like the order processing has uh, got an order from a customer it can mark that data like the customer data and the order details and all to a separate area and the rest of that and that is done then the order processing can work on the other order and all but whenever a warehouse um service required some information it can get it that get it that from the place where the order processing has stored the data so this way there is no direct communication that is happening between these uh, these thing then the other um on another on, uh, we can extend this to one more um enhancement like instead of uh, getting uh, that detail that warehouse or the customer order service getting detail from that data store it can be stored into a queue or somewhere where it is uh, where whenever a um, whenever a event or some data is inserted into the into that message broker uh, or queue 
it will be get notified by other uh, subscribed services like the warehouse server uh, warehouse service or the uh, order service and that way we can minimize the coupling so this is uh, uh these things are the more um, important things um, we need to understand so we need to you can search in google more about that like we should avoid the uh, different types of coupling between the services and um, going into more detail uh, coupling like the implementation coupling then the temporal coupling where one service is depending on other and the total sla will be reduced further uh, to avoid that we can introduce a message broker in between and also the deployment coupling where one and deployment should not deploy de- depend on other deployment also the domain coupling where one microservice should not depend on other service directly but it should be depend uh, depend the data from some other area like a message broker or a queue in this way we can understand uh, the different <coughs> uh, dependencies and uh, throughout the episode so now it's like on on hour and more so i feel we can wind up this episode here and i will come up with a second episode as well that explains how we can migrate the microservices and also it's a follow up of this episode so you can uh, listen this episode first and then that episode to get an understanding of how you can migrate an existing microservice or a monolith service to a microservice architecture as this uh as we are running out of time for this episode ideally an episode uh, many uh, listeners would say it's preferable to keep it within one hour so i prefer to cut it down here and resume it from the next episode so thank you everyone for listening this episode all the opinions that i share through this podcast are purely my personal opinion myself vishnu viji i am from uh, i am a dotnet programmer from tiruvannadapuram so feel free to listen uh, any of the episodes that are available from my podcast as well as from uh, my youtube channel thank you once again for listening we will keep continuing um, uh, how to understand more about the microservices with uh, related to the aws services uh, and next episode we will understand how Uh, we can migrate an existing monolith application to microservices so thank you thank you very much